It's what he taught about the people in the kingdom of God. So this morning, we're in Flipped, episode 3. And for those who feel like they showed up in the middle of the movie, so far we've learned that we cannot get to God. We can't get into his kingdom by ourselves. There's nothing that we can do, nothing that we can earn, or nothing that, we, that can make us right with God enough so that we can earn our way into his kingdom. Now, the good news is that through Jesus, we can get in. We can get into his kingdom. If we have faith, then he gives us grace. He gives us full tuition into God's kingdom. And we don't have to rely on what we earn, we don't what we know, or what we might have done. All we have to do is have faith. And then we make the grade. By simply accepting the free grace of God and placing our, our trust in him, he gives us full ride into the kingdom of heaven. And when we do that, we turn our traditions into transformation. Transformation that gets us into God's kingdom. Now, last week, we also learned that not only does Jesus provide us free admission into his kingdom, but he is radically accepting of all people. And because he is radical in his acceptance of people, we also need to accept people. We need to humble ourselves before God but we should also humble ourselves in front of others. So Jesus, he came along and he flipped the typical way that we view ourselves and other people. In his kingdom, he doesn't value self-reliance and independence. He values dependence on him. He's no respecter of special status. Instead, he wants sincerity. And when it comes to the way that we relate to other people, he wants us to get rid of our pride and instead show humility. Instead of us trying to outdo one another or try to get into the in crowd, he wants us to reach out to the outcasts and treat them like they're our family. That's because he wants all people in his kingdom to show people on the outside that even though they may feel like they're excluded or exiled, that they can be adopted into his family and into his kingdom. And we've learned that Jesus taught more on the kingdom of God than anything else during his ministry. Jesus totally revolutionized what it meant to be a person living in the kingdom of God. And if we were to take everything that he taught about the kingdom of God and the people in it, and we were to put that into one sentence, it would be that there is something new for all of us to be a part of, and it's coming soon that there is something new for all of us to be a part of, and it's coming soon. Now, two weeks ago, we broke down this sentence. We started breaking down this sentence, and we said, what, what is that something new that we're talking about? And that answered the question, how do we get to God? And last week, we took the part of the sentence that says, for all of us, and we answered the question, what did Jesus say about the people in the kingdom of God? Now, this week, we're going to be focusing on that to be a part of portion of the sentence. And we're going to be answering the question, what do the people in the kingdom of God actually do? But before we answer that question, there's something I wanted to get off my chest. You see, 
My wife will tell me sometimes that, you know, I was talking with a, a friend or a coworker, and they said, you know, recently I had a conversation with your husband, Glenn, and he's, he's really kind of funny. That surprised them. That wasn't what they were expecting. And people will sometimes say to me, I, I don't know how to read you. I had no idea that you had a sense of humor. I don't know what to make of that exactly. I guess I've got one of those strange personalities. One that surprises people. Even me. And that reminds me of something that happened to me when I was in high school. Growing up, I attended a Christian school all the way from kindergarten through high school. And leading up into my last year of high school, I thought, you know, I really need to build my resume for the world. I want to run for student council and show the world that I'm a leader. But for months, I was wrestling with that on the inside. And what I came to the conclusion of is that God was actually calling me, instead of running for one of those popular offices like president or treasurer, to, be, to, to volunteer to be the student body chaplain. And that shocked people. Not just me, but also the teachers and the administrators are like, what? Where is that coming from? But they gave me a shot. I mean, can you believe it? And I organized these weekly chapel services during that senior year of high school. So that made, made I, I, I would schedule the services out. I would make sure that we had the worship and the special songs. And then we would usually call a youth pastor or uh, one of the pastors or leaders in the area to come in and, and give the message. And everything was going great. Until one week when the speaker backed out at the last minute. And we had no other options. So I went to my principal and said, um, uh, I'll speak. I'll prepare a message and I'll speak. And they're like, what? Are you crazy? Because Glenn is an introvert. In fact, not only did it shock her, but it stunned my classmates. They're like, Glenn? I didn't even know that he spoke. Does he actually talk? <laughs> Have you heard him speak? What does his voice sound like? So I'm standing there up on this stage in this auditorium in this big church, and I speak to 400 students. I spoke to them about the faith of Abraham, and, and then I broke it down into examples that they could use in their everyday lives. And to everyone's shock, especially mine, it actually went pretty well. In fact, it went so well that they asked me to do it again. And in fact, that year, I would become the most frequent special guest of chapel services that year. I don't know if that was because people just had busy schedules and canceled at the last minute or because they actually liked me. But what, Glenn? Who knew? Who would have guessed that quiet, reserved, awkward Glenn could ever do that? You know, sometimes we're thrust into things that we never felt ready for. And that's definitely true when we talk about the people and the kingdom of God. And to answer this question this morning, what do the people in the kingdom of God actually do? We're going to turn to our text, which is found in the Bible. It's Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. So if you have your Bible with you and, or you have your device, you want to join me there, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. 
Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. It's kind of toward the beginning, middle part of the book of Luke. So let's read together. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, Shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from the village, set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. So we have this scene where the disciples, they've been spending time with Jesus for quite some time now. And then he sends them out on the ultimate scavenger hunt. Up until this point, they had traveled around with him, they had listened to him, and they learned from him. But now, he gives them a test. Close your books. It's time for the pop quiz. Only this quiz was practical. It was an internship. Pick a partner and draw some names of villages out of my hat. And two by two, he sends them out. He says, take nothing with you. Nothing but the clothes on your back. Don't take any money. No extra clothes. Don't even bring toiletries. Don't even pack a protein bar with you. Go share the things that I've been teaching you with other people. And don't worry. After you tell them, they're going to put you up in their extra bedroom. They're going to give you clean sheets and clean towels and let you take a shower. And they'll invite you to dinner. And in the morning, they'll even make you breakfast. But there will be some of them who think that you're crazy. Even after you heal their relatives. There'll be whole villages like that, actually. And if they do that, just leave and don't look back. Now, let's be honest. How nerve-wracking would that be? For those of us who've ever taken a class or gone to school, how nervous were we? When the teacher said, now I want you to go ahead. Do that, what we've been talking about, on your own. What I've been teaching you, you've got it now. You try it now. Whether it was art or woodshop class or a cooking class. Hey, we were enjoying ourselves up until that point because then it was just theory. There was no pressure. But now we get thrown into the deep end of the pool. Only instead of the teacher being right there to help you, you were on your own. It's all on you now. Now, if I were to grab this microphone, this extra microphone, and just walk up to someone and say, hey, why don't you go ahead and close out the rest of the service for us? You got it. You got this, right? That's scary. I, I was just kidding. You're like, you're really nervous. I, I can't do that with Russ. He'd probably take it seriously, but... Um, put this back, but that's where we found the disciples this morning, in, our, in that passage, because they'd been following him around, they'd been listening to him speak and teach, they had a front row seat to see him heal and do miracles, 
And they were thinking, you know, I don't really get all this stuff. I don't really understand it all, but it sure is cool. What is he going to do next? And what he does next is say, hey, your turn. You go and do what I've been doing. It's time for you to go out there and preach the gospel. So now they're shaking in their sandals because it was all just a cool ride when it was just theory, just watching on the sidelines. See, he wanted them to go throughout the entire region on a mission, share the news that the kingdom of God had come. And it had come in the form of this person that had sent them, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And not only that, he gives them power to heal and cure diseases and sicknesses. He even gave them authority to cast out demons. And he did this so that when, he went, when they were, were going to go out into the villages and preach the good news, they would actually take, him, take them seriously. They would actually listen to them. Now, what we learned last week about Jesus' values about people, we saw that in three of the four Gospels. We saw that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this message is also the same. We find this same teaching in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in fact, in Matthew, Matthew goes into meticulous detail about this incident. Mark and, and Luke's accounts are very compact by comparison. That said, they're still rich with so much content that we could literally spend weeks gleaning the lessons from it. So much so that we can only cover a couple of those today. And one of those is to answer the first question that we have, what do the people in the kingdom of God actually do? Well, they pass on what they've learned about Jesus so far to other people, and they make disciples. The word for that is called evangelism. Now, when we hear the word evangelism, we may want to cringe because sometimes we associate that with, you know, sales, like people going door to door trying to sell you something that you don't want or you don't need. And many of us may be wary of being tricked into something that just, you know, isn't worth it or isn't true. We don't want to be duped. Now, I can tell you, though, that the biblical word from where we get the word evangelism, is euangelion. And it means a great message. It means glad tidings. In other words, it means really awesome news. Wouldn't we like to hear some really awesome news? And to evangelize, the verb to evangelize, means to share that really awesome news. The word that we see in the Bible is gospel. It's the same word. So gospel and evangelism are the same word. It means really awesome news. Yet even still, we have hang-ups about evangelism. Because like with a scam, many have been taken advantage of, manipulated. And we don't want to do that to other people. I mean, what if we were to get the message wrong? What if we were to say it wrong? What if we were to make it worse? And spirituality, isn't that personal? I mean, what right do I have to tell somebody else what they ought to believe? Now, for some, we may wonder if we're even supposed to really do that. You know, after all, shouldn't we leave that up to God? I mean, doesn't he do a good good enough job marketing himself and making himself known? And if he wants to reach somebody, well, he knows where to reach them. But you know what? If we're really honest, probably the biggest problem that we have with this and why we're anxious is fear because it makes us nervous it takes us 
way out of our comfort zones because it isn't easy. Now, I should have warned you that this series was going to take us out of our comfort zone because first, I told you that whatever it was that you were counting on to keep a credit balance in your spiritual account had been totally emptied and gone negative and that now you needed to plead with Jesus to make you whole. And next, we were challenged to radically embrace and accept all people, to humble ourselves with them, and to reach out to them. And now, we're being asked to actually do this stuff, to actually go out there and share the good news with people and make disciples. Yet if we listen to what Jesus has said about the people in his kingdom, that's exactly what he commands us to do. In fact, before he left his disciples and returned to heaven... He commissioned them as officers in his army. And in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that is the essence of our big idea this morning. God's design in his kingdom is for his disciples to make disciples who make disciples. Just two fill-in words there. God's design in his kingdom is for disciples to make disciples who make disciples. You see, being a disciple means sharing what we've learned with other people. It means evangelism. You see, there's no being a disciple without evangelism. There's no discipleship without evangelism. They go hand in hand. They're found only together. You see, not only does Jesus want, us, want to give us admission into his kingdom, but he has given us an endless supply of tickets to hand out to all the people in the world around us, to pass on to our families, to pass on to our friends, to pass on to our classmates and coworkers to pass on to our allies, and even to pass on to our enemies, to pass on to the people that we have this instant connection with, and also to pass on to people who aren't like us at all. And as with his disciples, when we trust in him with our own lives, and we become disciples ourselves, we become commissioned in his army. He wants, us to, he wants to use us to carry out the mission of spreading this really awesome news about him and his kingdom and make disciples. He wants us to become his messengers, his ambassadors, messengers who show up to deliver the best news ever, that no matter what we've done, no matter who we are or who we aren't, the God of the universe is so crazy in love with us that he's literally paid the ultimate price to get us into his kingdom. Now, as for our part, I'm going to share with you what I would call an affirmative self-answering question. In layman's term, that that means one of those questions where the answer is always yes. We also know that as a rhetorical question, but in this case, we're talking about the answer being yes every time. An example of that would be when you ask your friend or your family member, Am I really like that? 
Or do I really sound like that? Why would we be so silly as to answer that or ask that question of them? We already know the answer, and we know what they would say if they were honest with us. Yes, and we know this to be true, or else we wouldn't be asking the question in the first place. Well, there's another question that's like that. It's, am I called? Or do I have a calling? You know, every day, followers of Jesus, in sincerity, ask that question. We wonder, am I truly called? God, do I have a purpose? And that's an affirmative, self-answering question. The answer is always yes. We are all called. And we all do have a purpose. And in God's kingdom, he calls us into service for that purpose. Now, knowing that, now, there are three considerations when it comes to taking on this assignment and that calling. And the first is that there are no reserves in God's army. And there is no plan B. There are no reserves in God's army, and there is no plan B. Jesus didn't come to the disciples and ask if they wanted to go and spread the good news. He didn't come and recruit volunteers among them. Hey, raise your hands if you want to go on this this mission. He didn't say, hey, okay, I want you to do rock, paper, scissors to see who's going to go. No, this was a command. It wasn't optional. And in our world today, it's easy for us to think that we have people for everything. We have something that needs done around the house or with our car or with a legal matter or with our health. We call a specialist. We turn to a professional. Likewise, when we think of ministry, we assume that there ought to be people for that type of thing. And we want to leave that to the professionals. But I've got news for you. There is no such thing as a professional when it comes to ministry. You see, the 12 disciples, they weren't professional religious teachers or pastors. They were ordinary men. They came from all walks of life, from students to fishermen and tax collectors. They were all just regular guys. And Jesus called on them, and he sent them out into the world to share the good news, to share their experiences with other people. And he does the same with us. You know, as I would say back in my day, when you went to the roller rink or the ice rink, this is an all-skate. That means everyone participates. Because following Jesus, it's not a passive business. It's a contact sport. And on that note, everything that we read about in the Bible, everything that we could ever learn through systematic theology, all would point us to the fact that entering the kingdom of God is always through relationship. Jesus' disciples, they didn't believe in him because they had read a book. They didn't believe in him because they went to this life-changing workshop or, or seminary course. It was actually because they had a personal relationship with Jesus. And that personal relationship with God bonded them together to each other. And it also informed the way that they reached out to everyone they came in contact with in their lives. And that's God's plan. That's his design for his people. To be disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Try saying that five times fast. But in all seriousness, that is what he wants. That is our mission. Because he doesn't want us on the sidelines. 
He wants us on the front lines. And not only does Jesus not want us to sit on the bench, but he has no plan B. We're it. Now, the Apostle Paul would later write in Romans 10, verses 14 and 15, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, he has a mission for us to complete, and he needs all hands on deck. And now that brings us to the next consideration, and that is that we can't hide behind our personalities. We can't hide behind our personalities. This is one of those considerations that it, it, it bothers us because it sounds offensive or insensitive. I mean, we're being asked to do something that's not you know, like in our makeup or our wiring. And for some of us, that's not even in our universe, let alone our wheelhouse. Well, this is probably a good time to clear up a common misconception when it comes to this sharing the gospel. Because many people will come and they'll say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. And when they say that, they're being totally honest. Because it's impossible to have something that doesn't exist. Yeah, you heard it right. There is no gift of evangelism. Look it up in the Bible. You're not going to find it. Because evangelism means really awesome news. You can't have the gift of really awesome news. It's a message. It's not an ability. And being an evangelist means to spread that really awesome news. Now, I know you may have seen it on a list somewhere in a book that you read, but it's not a gift. Hey, look, try me. You won't find it in the Bible. Now, there are gifts of teaching and of preaching and other spiritual gifts. And, you know, let's face it, personality-wise, there's some of us that have a way of talking and persuading other people. But the gift of really awesome news does not exist. It's a message. It's not an ability. And whatever made us think that evangelism requires speaking. You know, every year this church sends out several young people up into the mountains for winter camp. And every year, several young people make life decisions to follow Jesus. And that takes literally dozens of volunteers who all work very hard to pull that off. They make meals, they drive vans, they play with the kids, they have fun sledding with them, hopefully not killing them, but they sing with them, they organize crazy games for them to play, they make decorations, they bake cookies, we, they load up gear into the, tra the trailers for them to get up there. We could go on and on and on. And whether or not all of them would consider themselves to be evangelists, everything that they're doing is evangelism. All of it. And in fact, if, if you've been a volunteer this year with Winter Camp, why don't you stand up? Why don't you stand up? Let's give them a hand. Thank you. You see, every act of service that it takes to spread this really awesome news about Jesus to other people is an act of an evangelist. Being a disciple means making disciples. And making disciples requires not only building up other disciples and equipping them, but also going out into the world and sharing this really awesome news.
so that we can make more disciples. And to that end, God designed each of us with unique gifts and talents. He created each of us to contribute both to the work of the church and to sharing that good news in the world. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. All of us have a role to play. All of us have a gift to share. And all of us, regardless of our personalities or our uniqueness, has a responsibility to put that into the service in his kingdom. Now, later in the same book that we read from Luke, Jesus says in Luke 12, 48, But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Ouch. That seems harsh. So what do we do? Especially if we're scared. What if we don't know what our talent or our gift is? Well, just do something. Start somewhere. Because God can use that. And God's going to empower us with exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. Luke would later record... Jesus' words to his disciples before he went to heaven in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This means that God himself will supply the power and the ability to be effective in passing on this really awesome news And now that brings us to this third consideration. And that is that there is no waiting period. We will never be, quote-unquote, ready. There is no waiting period, and we will never be, quote-unquote, ready. Now, I don't know about you, but it's strange, isn't it, that we find Jesus sending out the 12 disciples in the middle of the Gospel of Luke. That should come at the end, shouldn't it? Because it feels like what comes after graduation. It should come at the end. In fact, some students of the Bible have thought maybe they made a mistake in putting it there. Maybe it really goes at the end. But its placement in the books of Matthew and Mark, they give it away. It points to what we've already concluded. That this happened before Jesus was crucified and was resurrected. And what that means is that before the disciples even had this full picture, before they truly came to believe in Jesus as their Savior, Jesus gave them a mission. He sent them out to share good news with people all over the region about the kingdom of God that had come and it was found in him. And in other words, Jesus called them to preach and go into ministry, to go on a mission trip before they completed their program, before they earned their apostleship diplomas. And as Paul wrote in Timothy, uh, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. In season and out of season. What that means for us today is that God wants us to share the gospel right where we're at. Right now. Now, we might think that going on a mission trip or talking to our neighbor about Jesus, that should come after years of training. We should go to church for several years and go to Sunday school 
And we should get baptized. And we should attend an adult Bible fellowship for 10 years at least. And then join a growth group. And then serve the church for years. And then and only then, if we work up the nerve, then I might possibly kind of, sort of, talk a little bit about Jesus to someone. But that's not how this works. We're supposed to take sharing the gospel 101 at the same time that we're taking basic Christianity 101. They're one and the same. Jesus wants us to start right away. Now, I don't want to minimize the importance of being equipped and being prepared. I mean, certainly we need education, we need training, we need equipping, and we need to be reading our Bibles and studying our Bibles. We need to be growing stronger in our prayer lives. Maybe for some of us, we really are called to formal training, and it's critical for us to pursue that training, either in Bible college or in seminary. But when God wants us to share this really awesome news with someone, we can't say, oh, um, wait, um, I'll get back to you in three years after I finish school. Or hold that thought, will you? Because we're in the middle of the six-week study, and I think I'll be better able to answer this question when we're done. No, God wants us to start right now. He wants us to share right now. And while we should always be preparing ourselves, we'll never be truly as ready as we think we ought to be. So the time to get started is now. And the place to start is here. And if we believe what Jesus said, then we're going to do what Jesus did. And Jesus, he wasted no time in spreading the good news. You see, in his kingdom, he uses us. Sometimes in a way or at a time that we could never imagine. He wants us to be a part of his plans. Because he has no reserves in his army. He doesn't want us to merely stay on the sidelines and observe. He wants us to participate. You see, in his kingdom, there are no bench warmers. There are only starters. And God often doesn't do the supernatural until we show up and start with the natural, what we can do. Sometimes he doesn't bring the miracle until we bring what little we have to offer. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He takes those of us who are ordinary and he makes us extraordinary. So no longer are we to only be followers, but he calls us to be leaders. And through his power, he takes a nobody. And in his kingdom, we become a rock star. That's because in his design and in his kingdom, he wants us to stop being a spectator and start being an activator. God doesn't want us to be spectators. He wants to make us and change us into activators. Now, as we close this week, I'm going to give you another homework assignment. And we're going to take some steps, some little baby steps toward this goal of making disciples. One is simply a continuation from last week's homework. So if you weren't here last week, here you can get the same homework assignment we got last week. And that's to keep showing kindness and mending relationships and encouraging others. You know, random acts of kindness, they bring the kingdom of God nearer for us all. Now, we have people in this, this church who do that on a daily basis. 
In fact, we have some people who are famous, not only here in Walla Walla, but also in Phoenix, I hear in the paper, who showed kindness to random strangers. So much so that they wrote a, a letter to the editor just to make it clear that Jeff and Kate Lyon are really kind people in this world. I think that's awesome. Those are the kinds of random acts of kindness and reaching out to people that really build the kingdom. Because it's never about our unique giftedness and experience as much as it is through building rapport and trust and credibility with others. You see, that credibility doesn't come from our talent. It comes from a track record of following Jesus and taking that step into the unknown with him. That's how we build rapport and credibility with people. And it's how we earn the right to speak into their lives. Because we really have to care to earn the right to share. Next, we can identify simply, who can I pray for or with this week? Who could I pray for or with this week? Now remember, I told you that evangelism is every act of kindness and service that helps spread the good news. And I can't think of a kinder thing to do than to pray with somebody about something that they really care about. And I don't see how we could be effective in sharing the gospel if we don't pray to God and ask for his help. Pray for the people around you in your life. Be responsive to them when God is kind of telling you, hey, I I think you ought to stop what you're doing and pray with them right here and right now. And speaking of, you know, when we feel like God is telling us to do something and prompting us to do something, we can ask, who is God prompting me to be bold with? Who is God prompting me to be bold with? Often we overcomplicate this idea of evangelism. We think that we need to work for years to find that right moment to talk to someone. But sometimes we need to be bold. We just need to have that conversation, ask that question. Or invite them to church. Invite them to youth group. Invite them to have coffee with us or have lunch with us. Ask if there's anything that we can pray for. You know, most of us, when it comes to our own experience with this really awesome news, can say that it it wasn't just something that came out of the sky that made us believe in Jesus. It was relationship. Maybe it was one or two people like our parents, but for most people, they would say it was several people. Maybe so much so that it felt like God was literally reaching down from heaven to them or chasing after them. You see, God uses people when they're willing to take that step in boldness. So let let us take that chance. Let's take that chance, take that risk, and go for it. Because God has a purpose for every one of us. And he has great purposes for this church. He wants us to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So let's remember that following Jesus, it requires that we actively participate in making disciples, both in our own families with ourselves and with others around the world. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we praise you for this really awesome news. And even though we didn't deserve it, you have given us free gift of grace. You have given us admission into your kingdom forever. 
Lord, you are radically accepting of all people, including us. Every one of us has a different story. And every one of us could, could really honestly say, if we're being truly honest with ourselves, that we don't deserve what you have given us. Lord, we thank you for that free gift. Lord, help us to be so grateful with that free gift that you've given us that you want us to be activators in your kingdom, that you want us to pass on what we have learned and share this really awesome news with the people in our lives and the people around us. Help us to be your ambassadors and your messengers of hope and peace to bring this really awesome news to the world around us. We thank you, Lord, for this message. We thank you, Lord, for this challenge. Help us to live up to it. And in your precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.